Lifetime, the official athletic country club of the Minnesota Vikings, has something for every member of your family. Get your family going today at lifetime.life forward slash kids. I mean, there's players that do it with their mouth. They talk a lot, but then there's guys that do it on the field. And I think Daniil's a do-it-on-the-field guy. Like, they're going to see his work ethic. They're going to see all the things he does pre-practice, pre-warm-up. You know, he's big into the body. Like, he has a body guy, if you want to call him that. You hit the nail on the head, though. I mean, Brian O'Neill's always said, you know, going against Daniil Hunter has made me a better professional. All right, welcome to the Minnesota Vikings podcast training camp edition. My name is Gabe Henderson. We are outside the Twin Cities Orthopedics Performance Center recording this podcast, and I'm alongside Tatum Everett, Jay Notson, and our friend Ron Johnson. Uh, Eric Davidson, who I guess is going by DJE, is the producer. Tatum said he looks like a DJ with this setup today, which is different from our normal setup inside the TCO radio studio, but so excited to watch walkthroughs right now. The offensive linemen are coming out. Uh, the kickers and punters are out here, and it has been a very, very interesting week so far as we record this on a Tuesday. Monday was the first day of padded practice, and right before practice started, the Vikings officially reached a one-year deal with the Neil Hunter for $17 million, which can be up to $20 million with incentives. And yesterday at practice, you, you, you felt Daniil's just presence. Um, he didn't practice at all in team drills, but just his presence alone, his physical stature. I know Kwesi, Tatum talked to Kwesi, and he said, um, and Kwesi basically said Daniil got bigger this offseason because he wasn't training or rehabbing an injury. So, uh, Ron, just looking at Daniil's presence, having him back this year, what does that mean for this defense? I mean, have you ever watched the Avengers without Thor? Like, that's <laughs> that's what I feel like when I see Daniil Hunter. Like, Thor was on yesterday. And, uh, you know, there for those that have seen the first, one of the first Avengers Thor movies, uh, he, he gets the hammer taken away from him, and then he has to earn it back. You know, it, it, he feels like he's not Thor. And then all of a sudden, lightning strikes, he looks super cut up. And it's just Thor. And that's what Daniil Hunter reminds me of. Like, Daniil Hunter, without the money, without the uniform, not being around here, is kind of like Thor without the hammer. They give him that $20 million. Like, you see – I mean, he posted the picture of himself. I feel like the NFL is going to drug test him. Like, I don't know if you saw that picture. It looked like he had just got done. You said that on your Instagram. Yeah, it looked like he just got done lifting weights. Like, you know, he had the – it looks like – I mean, I remember I'm, – I'm old enough to remember Ultimate Warrior. And he used to wear those armbands yep. to make his veins yep. pop out. Daniil does that without armbands. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, when you see a guy that size, if you're a defense, and I always talk about guys that – well, my dad used to say this. Let's send the biggest guy off the bus first to intimidate the other team. Sure. Daniil Hunter's that guy. <laughs> like, I would send him and Christian Darris off the bus first because those are two big, imposing guys. But then also, I love watching Sauce Gardner versus Garrett Wilson in training camp right now with the Jets. I feel like Daniil Hunter, Marcus Davenport are going to make each other better, same way Z did with Daniil. And then they're going to make Christian Darris and Brian O'Neill better yep. because they're going to go against him every day. And so I think it's all encompassing of a team of, like, here's our best pass rusher. And if I'm a cornerback, I feel comfortable knowing, like, that quarterback probably only has three seconds. And I think that's what Daniel Hunter brings to this team. Yeah, while Brian O'Neill did not practice, is not practicing right now, he did post a picture on his Instagram welcoming Daniel back, basically with the picture of them doing a one-on-one last year at training camp. So Tatum, just understanding Daniel's presence, how did it feel seeing him out here? I mean, you, you hit it right on the, the nail on the head, though. I mean, Brian O'Neill's always said, you know, I, going against Daniel Hunter has made me a better professional. So he just adds and he elevates it. It's it's a young defense. They got 
very, very young after uh, this free agency period and the new signing and the and the draft. And so um, I think having a veteran presence in there is super is super helpful. I love that Quasey mentioned the rehabbing thing, but then he said, you know, we just want the baddest dudes on the schoolyard and yeah. he's a bad dude and the defense can walk a little taller knowing that Daniil Hunter is on their team this time around. I mean, I'm a little interested to see, or if I could be a fly on the wall in the conversations of Daniil and Marcus Davenport, because they're both very soft-spoken, very introspective. Sure. They are not the biggest personalities. And so, you know, you had Zadarius last year, which was quite the opposite. So now with these two, it's kind of like you've got these like like Zen masters. Zen assassins. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Zadarius and Daniil accounted for 20 and a half sacks last year. And they only had 38 total as a team. So, like, that one-two punch was incredibly important last year. And hopefully, uh, you know, Hunter and, and Davenport are going to be able to kind of pick up where that left off. I just know that towards the back end of the season, the pass rush just wasn't there. And so needing that to return to form, um, hoping that Flores, with his scheme coming up here and adding a guy like him now formally into that lineup, I think that's going to be a big, big deal. So they need as much pass rush as, rush as they can. And a guy like Daniil Hunter is somebody that you can definitely form that cornerstone from given his track, re given his track record the last six years. Yeah, the track record speaks for itself. Um, over 70 sacks, the first player in NFL history to 50, well, the youngest player in NFL history to 50 sacks. And we, we understand what he does when he's off the field, but Ron, for this locker room that has so many young guys, young cornerbacks, young linebackers, what is a guy in Daniil who doesn't talk much, what does that provide this locker room that needs that veteran leadership? Yeah, I mean, there's players that do it with their mouth. They talk a lot, but then there's guys that do it on the field. And I think Daniil's a do-it-on-the-field guy. Like, they're going to see his work ethic. They're going to see all the things he does pre-practice, pre-warm-up. You know, he's big into the body. Like, he has a body guy, if you want to call him that, that he does all these weird, like, karate-type workouts and all these weird, like, acrobatic, aerobic-type workouts. And then think about Patrick Mahomes. Like, we got to see Patrick Mahomes on Netflix doing this type of crap where you put your body in weird positions and say, now throw a ball. So Daniil does the same thing. Put your body in a weird position. Now try to get past a pass rush. Now try to swim me. Because what happens in the game is a lot of players don't realize you're in weird predicaments. And we see Daniil Hunter get so low to the ground, dip that shoulder, he's able to do it. But then you'll see him warming up with the coaches, with the hand pads, with uh, rubber bands and all kinds of things. And so I think for the younger players, you see that. Two, Daniil Hunter is a guy that's going to put his body first. Rest. Stand out, stand away from being out late at night. I think that's another key. The younger a team, the more they end up in a club. I'll never forget with the coach when Reggie Wayne got married and Howard Mudd, the offensive line coach, when we all were joking about it because I was like, you know, Reggie was one of my guys. And I was like, hey, yeah, Reggie is going to be, you know, whatever, a couple minutes late because he said he had to drop his wife off. And Howard Mudd was like, what? Reggie got married? He was like, the streets of Indianapolis are safer. Um, and, and I think that's where that comes into this play of like having veteran guys that you don't ever see. Like Daniil Hunter's never been in the media for being out late. He's never been in the media for, for a DUI. And I think that's another big part of this team is having veterans that can explain that to these younger guys. Like, look, if you want this $20 million, if you want this $72 million, this is how you get it. And I think that's huge for, for a group of young guys coming in because you really don't know. For me coming as a rookie – 
You know, I had Ray Lewis. Uh, we had Pete Bowyer, who was an older guy. We had Mike McCrary. Uh, we had Adelius Thomas. And so those guys, we had uh, even Matt Stover as a punter or a kicker. Um, he would tell us stuff. And so I think that's the thing is having those older guys to explain to a team. Because when you go like teams, say, oh, this is the youngest team in the NFL. Look at all the drama that happens. Like, look at the Cleveland Browns right now. They've had two fights, and they've had to run like they're in high school. Yeah. So that's the things you're not going to see, hopefully, with a veteran group. You know, the thing with Hunter, too, is he just turns 29 in October. So, like, he wow. should still have another fun five, six years in this league at this point. And he's playing on a contract year. You know, he's got the idea that he's going to be advocating for himself on the field for what's going to happen for his future contract next year given the way that the terms were, were worked out here with this deal with the Vikings. So it just feels like with Hunter, he's going to have to be the guy who his play is going to dictate what happens for Brian Flores on this because he's going to get the double teams. He's going to be the guy that's going to be the focal point, at least at that point of attack on the line. And I just feel like he absolutely knows that that's the case. And so he's going to have to embrace that. And I think for a guy like him, you're talking – the Mahomes thing and just putting him in weird positions and, and weird situations for a guy like him who's so good off the snap and with his lean you know those kind of pieces are the things that kind of make him his bread bread and butter and so the strength is going to be able to get him a little separation and that's the kind of thing if he can still be as explosive as he has been over the last few seasons I think you know he's going to be back to what four Pro Bowls out of the last five years kind of a situation for him. And so I'm just looking at Daniil Hunter as kind of the focal point really on this defense to really be the guy you have to build around. Yeah, I, I, I think it's also of note, like I think it's part of this like acclimation process for him too because like sure he was rehabbing the last few years, but he needs to understand this defense and, and get into the swing of things for a while. So I don't even know if we see that until the season starts. See what Brian Flores can do because you can watch it practice all you want, but I, I don't think he's going to be that up to speed with everything what by next preseason game we may see him a couple couple of series and then not so much i'd yeah. say kevin o'connell last year didn't really play any of, yeah. the, right. of the top guys so um i mean a guy like daniel hunter you're right like he like brian flores like talking to coach chris rump he said this is a brand new canvas and they're painting what the defense needs to look like. So you're right. Like, I think it's going to be absolute chaos and Daniil's going to have to understand the calls and what does this mean and where do I go here? It's a 3-4. He's technically a 4-3 DN. So, yeah, so I think Daniil, because, I mean, honestly, you you think a little bit about the team, but you also like, look, I might be traded. Like, yeah. how much am I going, how much time am I going to waste, you know, until I know you guys really want me? And, you know, who knows, because Kevin O'Connell said conversations. We've been having conversations with, with Daniil Hunter. So, yeah, but I think this, this is going to be the key for him. How fast can him and Marcus Davenport get on the same page? Because you're right, him and Z, right away were taking pictures together. Yeah. They were meet me at the quarterback 2.0. They had a celebration dance. We had the so, offseason. Right. That we and never so. saw in a game. <laughs> <laughs> never saw the dance in a game. Even though they did have 20 and a half sacks. Yeah, true. Yeah. One thing I was really interested, though, too, Flores had kind of Somebody had asked the question about him dropping back in pass coverage and just kind of saying like, yeah, we're going to be a little more selective kind of and in, in how that goes. And I think for a guy like him, Flores' whole thing was saying, we just want to turn him upfield right. and let him create havoc. So that's the whole thing is if everything can be sound behind him in that linebacker position and even in the back end in the secondary, a guy like Daniil, if he can get back to form of just being that that demon to you know take off on the ball, I think that's going to be a huge deal for them. Oh, that would be so great. And you look at just – the guys that have been getting reps behind Anil since he hasn't been here the first week, DJ Wanham, Patrick Pat Jones, Jones. Like, 
all both of those guys have really got some valuable reps, and I believe that's only going to make Daniil better this year because he knows he has guys behind him that are coming to rush the quarterback. Uh, speaking of the quarterback position, Kirk Cousins, it was recently announced that he was ranked 42nd overall in the NFL Top 100. And if you aren't aware of the NFL Top 100, this is a peer list. Well, I guess NFL peers, players in the NFL vote and basically send it into the league and basically say, okay, this is, these are my top 100 players. The NFL kind of averages that out and then releases the list a couple of months later. So 42nd overall, last year Kirk was 99. So when we first were seeing the NFL Network uh, top 100 list, Kirk was the second person they got announced and everybody's like, whoa, 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 wait. Kirk finally has his respect, Ron. Yeah, I mean, Kirk Cousins, when you look at the the even the execs list that came out with the uh, the top quarterbacks, tier yeah. one, tier two, uh, tier three, so on and so forth. By the way, Jalen Hurts, erroneous uh, on all accounts. <laughs> he should never be in tier two, but still a different conversation. You got the social media quarterback and Justin Herbert in tier one. So when you think about those quarterbacks of the 12, <laughs> and, and, and Kirk Cousins is technically in that top 12 with Dak Prescott and all those guys in that list, uh, Jared Goff is below him, he deserves to be up there. Because if you put Kirk Cousins in the 90s or the 80s, where are you putting Dak Prescott? Where are you putting uh, Justin Herbert? Where are you putting Justin Fields? I think that's the key. Is Kirk Cousins, in my opinion, has outplayed those guys. He deserves that respect. Now, has Justin Jefferson made him better? Because some people are saying that. Like, oh, it's easy when you could throw it up. True, Justin Jefferson has helped him. But at the same time, Kirk Cousins still has to make those reads. He still has to take those hits and still has to make those throws. And I loved how he talked about that on Netflix of like, I've had to take hits and stare, stare down a bullet down a barrel and just throw the ball knowing I'm going to get crushed like in the Bills game uh, and throw blind passes. I think Kirk Cousins now, people are understanding he is good. Um, guys like Santana Moss came on, on my show and talked about that, that he said he loved Kirk when he's in Washington. He said this whole primetime thing is not a Kirk, it's a whole team thing. And um, I, I think more and more players are going to start to come to bat for Kirk Cousins, uh, simply for the fact of, you know, his wife and him, they know they're dad, dad mom swag. Like they're 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 at Costco shopping for clothes, you Coles know. Cash. Yeah, they're they're exactly <laughs> Coles cash Costco. billionaire. Oh, Costco has some good deals when you're looking at. If you're looking for gopher gear, Vikings gear, go to Costco. Like it's some good <laughs> deals for kids for sure. Sound like a true uh, dad. Adult right? T-shirts. Oh yeah, yeah. If we can find some some Vikings gear at, or gophers right. gear at Costco, why not? Um, but yeah, the Coles cash and saying Kurt has a nice new plaid shirt. But I, I think forty second is uh, right where he should be. I think that's a nice number for him. Uh, in order to get in that, because people are like, what's that top 25? You've got to win multiple playoff games. Like, you've got to win the wild card. You've got to win the divisional, and you've got to win the championship. Like, you've got to win to be considered. Like, Patrick Mahomes without the wins is just another quarterback that makes great throws. That's where Josh Allen is. He's a great quarterback, but he's not winning. He's not beating Patrick Mahomes. He's not beating Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's going to be up there because of that. Justin Jefferson's going to probably be number two or three. You know, Kirk Cousins has to win. And I think that's the next step. It's not just him, though. The defense has to help. But like NFL Network said with you with, with Bucky Brooks, hey, the Vikings are going to score 30, 40 points a game. And I think that's going to be enough to help Brian Flores out, which might be true. No doubt about that. I mean, that, that that's we said it on the show, I think, yesterday, where it was like the defense, we've said on this podcast all the time, the defense doesn't have to get that much better for this team to win. This offense can score points and score fast. I think this is a great leap for Kirk. I mean, that's a, I wonder if he 
where he ranks in the like biggest leap from last year's top 100 rankings to this year's top 100 rankings. I was thinking the same rankings, thing, and then I saw like Pat Sertan wasn't ranked last year, and he's right, like well, 40. Then there goes that. <laughs> right. but so, like, but like rankings, I get, I get that question because it's just like, sure, how high has someone jumped that was ranked yeah. last year? Yeah, I mean that's year? that's an incredible jump right there, and like I mean I can't echo what Ron said more. Just the fact that his credibility goes up, and and you know part of me thinks that's why at least one reason he would want to like take a peek behind the curtain why Kirk would want people to see what goes into this because not that it matters to him that he has this credibility or that he gets the masses to like him I don't think he's worried about that but I do think he probably wants people to understand what all goes into this job and like he also knew that if he signed on to do this with a production company that's owned by Peyton Manning, another former quarterback whose process was, I bet, was very similar, then he knows he can trust them. So I, I think this was all a really good move by him. Um, you know, all, not all publicity is good publicity, but when it's great publicity, you can only imagine that maybe this gives him a little bit of juice. I don't know. Might be kind of silly to overthink that, but in this offseason. I mean, he jumped ahead of Dak Prescott at 56. Aaron Rodgers was 51. Aaron yeah. Rodgers dropped 48 spots, which was That's what we should be talking about. Who made the biggest drop? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, but one of the things that people have been speculating, given who they believe is still left on this list, is that Kirk's going to be like around the sixth quarterback on the list total. And that's behind your Mahomes, Hurts, Allen, Burrow, and, and Lawrence. So for him to be in that kind of sixth position, kind of requisite from last year, the sixth quarterback that was left was Matt Stafford. He came off a Super Bowl win at number 28. So... You know, a guy like Kirk, I think, is is definitely starting to get more of the flowers, especially given the season he had last year. I think it's undeniable when you have a guy like J.J. going off on a historic pace. There's a guy that's got to get him in the ball. And so to me, it just feels like it's finally at the point where people are saying, like, listen, this guy is putting up numbers every year. He's very consistent and he tends to be pretty steady Eddie. And so, you know, a guy like Kirk definitely has to start getting his accolades. That kind of brings me to my next question, because the athletic just recently um, put out a list basically ranking the top 10 quarterbacks and the people who voted for these, I guess this list were, were GMs, NFL executives and insiders. And none of those people had Kirk Cousins in the top 10. So would you much rather be ranked higher by the executives and general managers and people inside the building or your actual locker room? I think they all say locker room. Okay. hundred percent. I mean, at the end of the day, that's that, I, I, that's what I would feel. I mean, sure, like the execs, GMs, never making the decisions. The insiders, I would really not care about. Got it. Got it. <laughs> I just want it, right? Yeah, I'm, I, I agree with you. Technically, they're media. Jay made a good point early, and I won't take it away from it's you. It's okay. No, my gut reaction is you want the respect of the locker room so that it's your peers and everything. At the same point, you also want the respect of the uh, front office because that's going to get you paid. That's going right? to get you paid. Exactly right. No, right. That's a good point. But, but for me, it would definitely, I think. In the end, you know, if you're somebody that's established and you're you're trying to be a top ten quarterback, you're probably getting top ten quarterback money. So for you, it, it's it's definitely going to turn into the uh, the kind of the accolades of your peers. Conversely, would you say that if you have the respect of your of the locker room, it could get you further along with an exec or GM, maybe who's on the fence with you? Potentially, just it, depends like, on, it, on your if, leadership. But if yeah. a, if the front office does it likes you and your and your teammates don't, that seems like a worst situation yeah i think from our front office standpoint too they're always going to go to the captains or other leaders on the team too sure. so i think it's it is you you do want your locker room to love you and like you 
And I think GMs also listen to the noise because I'm pretty sure they hear these players too. So when you can start to like earn the respect of all these players and all these other guys and all these teams around the league, um, I, I think you're, you're starting to change the narrative of who you can be. And I think that's what Kirk Cousins is doing now. He's changing that narrative. And now again, all it comes down now is wins. You can right. change every narrative. You can do everything you want, but you got to win. And I think that's the key for this team. 13 and four is going to be tough to repeat. Yeah. But then what does it look like if they're 11 and 6? Is it competitive? If they're 12 and 5, is it competitive? If they're 10 and 7 and they win the North, is it competitive? You know, like you don't want to get blown out every loss and then win every like last year. You know, and that's what you can't have blowout losses and then ridiculous wins. You got to be consistent where it's like, man, we're winning by two touchdowns or we're right in these games, but we're not having to come down to the last kick or the last play or JJ on fourth down against the Bills. Like you can't live like that. You're going to eventually like people say, it's like a three-pointer. You live by the three, you die by the three. The Warriors live by it for years, and then LeBron 3 won them, and, he, <laughs> and they die by it. So it, it just— they've won, they've won two since, though. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They did. But, uh, but yeah, no, I think I think winning like that is like like the three-pointer in the NBA. It, yeah, it, it's not you. sustainable long-term. You have to find ways to put your foot on the other team's throat, and I think that's where—and uh, we'll talk about these guys later, but I think that's where some of these defensive guys can help with that. It's a success-oriented business, and you start not only winning in the regular season and everyone goes, ah, but you lost in the playoffs. Now it's the next thing is going to be you got to have success in the playoffs in order for people to get to that next respect level for them and to be able to be the guy that's going to put up those numbers. Think about a guy like Matt Stafford. Everyone always looked at him and said, well, he's playing for the Lions. He doesn't have the support and stuff like that. But then he goes to a Super Bowl-winning team that's just absolutely loaded, and everyone's like, stick him you know they stuck him at 28th on the list last year and now last year they just got absolutely decimated because a ton of their veterans and everybody left the team and now everyone's kind of like well is Matt Stafford the guy really with the Rams like yeah he won a ring but it's what have you done for me lately so for me it just turns into you know for Kirk he's gonna have to not only have a successful season but then get a you know run in the playoffs in order for people to really feel like he's turned that corner in order to be the veteran that people respect yeah as we look at Kirk Cousins on the field right now he is talking to uh, Garrett Bradbury, and they're d- doing walkthroughs right now. Defense is on the far field, offense is on the field closest to us. And you just look at some of these offensive linemen and defensive linemen, uh, just the non-skilled guys. Ron, when you when you look at when you understand now that pads are on, all those conversations of the DBs basically saying, you know, lockdown, it, it lockdown, or you know, I put the handcuffs on them. It doesn't really mean anything because there's an actual pass rush. So when you look at some of these intermediate positions, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers, tight ends, who are some guys that need to make that next step? Well, an easy one for me was going to be T.J. Hawkinson, but I okay. think everybody knows he's a star. I think Marcus Davenport has to make a leap. He okay. has to be impactful. One, when you pick the number zero, you're <laughs> yeah. you're all the all the eyes are on you now. You're Agent Zero. You're Zero Dark Ninety Nine. Yeah. Like you're Zero Dark, whatever you want to call your Ground Zero. Uh, like you have to be able to be. And I loved watching some of the intricacies. I'm not going to say some of the stuff I've seen because uh, fans and in, in the world doesn't need to see it. But there's going to be some cool things that Brian Flores is going to do with Agent Zero. That I feel like if it works, and and this is the thing about a coach, it's like spaghetti. You throw it up against the refrigerator, see if it sticks. If it sticks, it's ready to go. If it falls to the ground, put that thing back in the water and let's try something else. So when you think about Marcus Davenport, how they can use him moving around within this defense, uh, being on the same side as Daniil Hunter, because Daniil Hunter hasn't been here, so they haven't even had been able to do that stuff yet. I think it's going to be cool to see where he goes because he's a guy that's been hurt. Uh, He's a guy that got drafted with high expectations and then injuries kind of set him back. 
it only takes one or two good years of health and being healthy like Zadarius where you can actually show the world, like, I still got it. And I think Marcus Davenport, one, will benefit from Daniel Hunter because all eyes are going to be on him. Speaking of Tupac and Cooper Cup, uh, all <laughs> eyes are going to be on Daniel Hunter. Uh, but when you look at where Marcus Davenport fits, he's a guy where a lot of teams aren't scared of him. So he can early come in and get one-on-one. He can get some matchups versus fullbacks and tight ends where you have to – if you can't beat a tight end as an outside linebacker, rush linebacker, you're not going to last in this league long. Tackles – Mano mano. Yeah. Tight end, tight ends aren't typically guys that are great in pass rush. And I think Marcus Davenport is going to benefit from the fact that Daniil Hunter is going to have a lot of protection go his way. No, I like that a lot. I think that there are a, a lot of these uh, non-skilled guys that we may talk about right now are, are trying to, they're in their second contract. So they're trying to earn their potential back. Like they had a lot of promise and now they're really just trying to elongate their career to make it go a bit further. And I think that with uh, Dalvin Tomlinson leaving, it's literally and figuratively a large hole there in the line that is left open. And for me, it's Dean Lowry that I'm still trying to allow the pads are on. I really want to see his physicality and, and his versatility out there. It's someone that, you know, I think we, we brought on pretty early in the free agency process as a to, to literally plug the hole there because I don't think that, um, you know, he's he's not going to be like you can't replace someone like Dalvin Tomlinson because he's just so gifted at his position and, and get some some nice stalwart play right there. I think uh, Tomlinson left the team with like 18 pressures. He led the led the team with 18 last year. So if you can get a little bit of that production out of Lowry, I think that could be my guy to watch up there in the front where. As Harrison Phillips likes to call it, uh, where the the doggy hydrant is that they just get peed on the whole time. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's it's basically the guys completely opposite across from Lowry on that one. I'm I'm one thing that's been bugging me all year, and it was something that even last year was a, a storyline at the end of the year was that interior offensive line play, but you know between Bradbury, Cleveland, and and Ingram, and so you know there's rumors swirling about possible people coming in to visit, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. But once you get pads on, that's where you're going to find out, you know, what's really going to happen. Because Darisaw, we all feel like we know what he is at this point. O'Neal's coming off an injury, and you assume that he's going to get back to his his Pro Bowl form. Um, But those three guys in the middle, there's been a lot of question marks just in general on, you know, are these the guys that we need in order to be able to make sure there's not that that rush right up the middle because that's an absolute killer for a quarterback trying to be able to sit in a comfortable pocket. Kirk had to do a lot of moving last year, and I'm hoping that – whatever's happening there within the interior offensive line, they can shore that up to give him more time because we've all seen it. You give him time and he's going to be deadly. So I just want to see what's going to happen between those three guys. And uh, if those guys get a lot more stout this year, I think not only in pass pro, but even on the running game, Madison's going to need, you know, some lanes to run through. So for those three guys, it's just super keen for me to see what they do this year. All three good points. Um, Offensive line, you got to have that to, to keep Kirk up. Got to have a pass rush. Tatum, you got to have a good a good person in the middle that can stop the run. I'm going to go linebacker, and I'm going to go Jordan Hicks. Um, simply because if you look at towards the end of the year, he was the one that was getting subbed out for Brian Asamoah. Eric, it was Eric Kendricks and Brian Asamoah the last couple of games of the year. Like when they had that Joker package, if you know what the Joker package is, um, Brian Asamoah talked about it in our, our most recent interview and chopping it up the other week. And what did, what did Jordan Higgs work on this offseason? Like, is it speed? Is it strength? Is it like, I'm excited to see it. He can't, he, he comes here with a, a new juice, a new energy. He understands what, what's on the line. He took a pay cut to be with the team again this offseason. So what does that look like having the green dot 
being the guy that's going to call the plays for this defense. Like, I, I'm excited. I'm just looking at him now, and he ha- he's, has his hat on backwards. He has this new, young energy that you can tell is affecting the defense in a positive way, but we don't know. Yeah, he's the old guy in the room now with a bunch yeah. of young guys that are coming up, and we always just kind of looked at Eric Kendricks as that leader in that room, and yeah. now Jordan Hicks is that guy. He's He's got to be the man in that room. And yeah, there's a lot of uh, young guys and looking at, you know, Asamo and Pace and some of these other guys that are going to be trying to figure it all out. I just feel like a guy like Hicks really has to step up here because he's the veteran leader in that room now. All right. Next topic. Now that we're talking about players, we see the guys out here. I feel like everybody's looking at walkthrough, which was the ultimate goal of today to actually get outside, (laughs) watch walkthrough, uh, see these guys in their mental element instead of their physical element. And uh, the mental aspect is a huge part of the game. So when you, when you look at guys that, that have stood out thus far, I know there's, as we record this, there's only been one day of padded practice. But Tatum, when you look at some of the guys that have stood out, who, who's who's a player that really comes to mind? For me, it's Lewis Seen. Okay. I just feel like he has this newfound purpose and energy. And I know that his season didn't go the way it, it wanted to last year. And I think that um, – his last press conference that he did, I think yesterday after the first padded practice, just gave me a little bit more tell into why it's kind of clicking for him. He said this is very similar to what he's been doing in college. It's under that same Patriots umbrella, the Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, Kirby Smith styles. Um, he feels like he has a lot more freedom. And, you know, context clues will kind of give it away. Like, how did it how? The way that he spoke about this, he just feels like he's being himself out there. He's aggressive. Um, he literally had this one play. I still can't get it out of my head. I think like, what are they? It's like one of those things that'll keep you up at night. He just like, like it was like a missile just like coming through in front of, I think it was Jalen Rager. And it almost looked like he's Superman dove and just like snatched the ball out of the way. And it was just like a really impressive hustle play. And I think... Um, with this defense in particular and what they're going to ask of these guys, I think he's going to really shine. And he's just popped off for me. The new attitude, the I'm really sick and tired of y'all asking me how my leg is <laughs> and I'm going to let you watch me play on the field and then you'll know how my leg is, right? So that's kind of, I don't know. He's been really, I've been really impressed with him this camp. I've been impressed with seeing Ron Johnson out here. Like this is the most I've seen Ron at this early part of training camp in my four years being an employee here. So Ron, you've seen a, 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 almost a handful of practices now. So who are some guys that stand up? Yeah, you know, like this year was different. You know, normally you don't have to come to every practice because you know most of the guys. Yeah. And this is a year for me that there's so many new faces. But here's a repeat face that I feel like is going to have kind of a breakout year. He's even said he wants to be, I think, the best. Cam Bynum. Like, and the reason I say this about Cam Bynum is he's been asked to do a lot of stuff. I know one of the practices, he was as a far hash safety. So far hash means that the ball's on the right hash, he's on the left hash safety. Harrison Smith's on the near hash, as they call it. At the snap, he ran and became the robber, I guess you want to call it, in the flat. Harrison Smith ran back. They were basically a simple cover three, but to get to it was so spectacular. And he read Kirk Cousins' eyes. And so instead of just going right to the flat, he ran to where the ball was going. He almost picked it off. He knocked it out the air. But when you see him move at that speed, I can tell he's not thinking anymore. Right. I can tell he's playing with instinct. Even watching walkthrough, just watching the numerous places he's lined up over the last seven plays shows that he's one of the guys. And this is the thing I always remember about Ed Reed and, and uh, Will Demps when we played for the Ravens. Ed Reed, as a young guy, 
Brian Billick and uh, Rex Ryan trusted Ed Reed to say, look, we're going to give you a lot of different looks. I remember Troy Palmolo was similar. We're going to give you a lot of different looks. I need you a lot of different stuff. Harrison Smith has to be like Hawkeye from Avengers. You got to sip in that nest in the back with a bow and arrow, and you're just taking taking shots when you need to. Cam Bynum has to be able to move within this defense and be very smart because if he's telling him line up and cover four, but you're going to show a cover two, he's got to understand how to get that look. And now Cam Bynum as a cornerback from college, knowing he can cover in space, I really think he stood out. Like I like the way he plays. I like the speed in which he's playing, which shows that he's understanding understanding Brian Flores' defense um, because Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson both said this. I heard in both their pressers. What's been different? Well, we don't have to learn a new offense. Well, I think Cam Bynum is learning a new defense, but you don't feel that pressure from them. They're like, look, we're learning a new defense, but we're happy to learn this one. Because the one last year wasn't great for us as a team because it didn't fit what we do well. And now I feel like Brian Flores is literally taking each player, watching what they do well, and say, here's the defense I'm going to put together. And I think that's why uh, you know, Cam Bynum so far to me has been – he's been running and flying around the field. Jay. Yeah, it's great. Uh, you know, for me – I also, it's a guy who literally and figuratively has been standing out, walking out here as a guy in Josh Oliver. Mm. Um, he's a guy for me that I'm really curious to see because we've had a lot of talk this offseason. Since the signing, people are like, he doesn't have a ton of stats. You know, last year he only had, what, 14 receptions yeah. last season. Yeah. Um, but the idea with him, they were saying, you know, he's one of the best pass, uh, pass pro and even uh, um, running tight ends in the league. And so with that being the case, you know, you've already started to see some people commenting on some of the run plays and seeing him stand some of those defensive ends and linebackers up on those practice plays. And so a guy like Josh Oliver, I really want to see what he's going to do for this offense and if it just makes this offense even more versatile, given what happened last season. So for me, it's Josh Oliver. Oh, man, that would be so, so beneficial to this team if Josh Oliver uh, has a great year. Uh, I'm going to go with Jawan Williams. Just not really understanding his story until about two weeks ago. I believe he's prime for another, well, not even for another, but for a big year. He's been injury prone the past couple of years, finally got his first start in the NFL last year um, in year three with the New England Patriots and then made the most of it. Got injured, got an injury reserve, and it never, you know, essentially worked out for him. But there's like a new, new redefined purpose and his, I guess, the way he approaches the game. I mean, we already know he's he has the physical abilities. He's what six two, six three. Looks like a linebacker out there. He's like Harrison Smith size, basically playing cornerback. So I, I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, not really knowing too much about him, I think a lot of defenses or offenses, excuse me, offenses are going to take him for granted because it's just like, oh, this is a former second rounder who's been hurt, never really got the opportunity, and let's check fade to to his side. So. I think he, he he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder, and I think that's going to make this defense, not only this defense, but this entire team, a lot better. Um, as we close as we close out, um, training camp, is there, is there anything else you, you guys want to see as pads continue to come on? We start to get into preseason games, and we probably won't see the starters until week one at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, for me, I want to see Jordan Addison impress. Like, I want to see one-on-ones. I want to see him impress. Because uh, everybody keeps talking about this weight. You know, 170 pounds, 175 pounds. Uh, forgetting that Devonta Adams was 166. Um, and and I got a chance to, you know, connect with, uh, you know, Keenan McCardell and just listening to how he talks about Jordan Addison's size. And I think that's the key is, like, Jordan Addison's size is not a problem. Why? Because he's been that size his whole life. You know, if there's one thing, if he was, like, 
200 pounds and all of a sudden lost weight or something, or he was 170 and he gained 30 pounds? Or how do you play? He's been this skinny, long, fast kid his whole life, so he knows how to take hits. He knows how to absorb blows. He knows how to get skinny if he's you know dealing with the double team and all this kind of stuff. So I want to see him impress, and not so much against his own teammates because we know they're going to compete, but they're not going to give you like the I hate you slap in the face punch to the chest. I want to see him with these joint practices. Like Jordan Addison in pads, joint practice, one-on-one, I'm all eyes. Like I'm sitting right next to wherever the one-on-ones are, and I want to see how Jordan Addison – because if you notice, you have to figure out who goes in the slot. If I'm a coach, I'm putting K.J. Osborne or Justin Jefferson because I know they've been there before, and I know I can dictate coverage by putting Jefferson in the slot. You can't double a slot guy like you can double an outside guy. So I want to see what Jordan Addison is going to do because I feel like if you put K.J. Osborne and Justin Jefferson on the left, Jordan Addison on the right, He's manned up. Mm. And if I'm manning up a guy with that speed, I'm probably wanna pl- I don't wanna give him too much space. I wanna get in his I wanna make him uncomfortable. So it's gonna be that. Like, can he deal with uh a guy like Jalen Ramsey? You know, a guy with physical presence that's gonna hit you in the chest. Like, I mean, Xavier Rhodes is old, um, but you're gonna deal with the Buccaneers defensive backfield. They are scary, they are nasty, and they will hit you. And so that's what I wanna see in this joint practices. How does he handle bigger, stronger cornerbacks that want to jam him up? Uh, for me, it is the backup quarterback situation. Ooh. I want to see Jaron Hall and Nick Mullins because a lot of people have been speculating, saying that we're only going to keep two quarterbacks on this roster initially. But if Jaron Hall does enough, especially in preseason, to warrant him not being able to pass through on waivers or something like that, like he's got to make the decision very difficult for the quarterback coaches and the head coach himself. So I'm going to be very curious to see just how both those guys produce here in the preseason. Well, and don't you think that, and I was talking, I forgot who I was talking about this with the other day. It's, if you're serious about the quarterback position, like the future of the quarterback position, like you need to make the decision of Jaron Hall's your guy and how much you want to invest in this. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you, if you believe you're a team that can win the division again, you're not going to have a super low draft or a super high draft pick next season. Do you have enough draft capital to move up if that's where you're going next, if Kirk's not going to be your guy the next year? And and if Nick Mullins isn't the future, yeah, the decision there is really tough if you only plan on keeping two. So that's why they get paid the bid bucks to make those <laughs> kinds of decisions, and we don't, have to, we don't have to do that. But I think it's a really interesting situation. And the thing is, Kirk's been super durable, so you really haven't had to worry too much about the idea of you know who's coming in behind him in case he gets hurt. But... You know, you still have the future plan for right. that kind of stuff, too. Right. And it's like which guy gives you the best option during the season if something like that were to happen. So they still got to try to figure out, you know, what strategy they want to run with. But for me, that's that's why it's such a crucial battle here in, in training camp and in basically preseason with everything. So those are my guys. I'd say for Jaron Hall, I, li- I like that point, too. I think for Nick Mullins and Jaron Hall. It's going to be actual games. Nick Mullins is going to be a pocket passer. Jaron Hall is going to be a guy that can scramble a little bit. Um, And I think he he will be able to open some eyes like on that. Because Kevin O'Connell talks about this, the off schedule. Patrick Mahomes talked about that, the off schedule. Like we heard that all through Netflix, the off schedule. Kirk Cousins said, I know I'm not a great off schedule guy. Well, if Jaron Hall comes in all of a sudden and he's like hitting the third progression read, because he was able to make a guy miss and he's scrambling and all of a sudden he makes a dot throw and then he comes back the next time maybe runs for 10 yards gets back in the huddle runs some type of power where he's the actual runner people are gonna be like oh okay this is something different that the vikings have not had um and it's not to say he can't become that guy because we know like 
Russell Wilson was drafted in the third round. You know, there's been some – Dak Prescott was in the fourth round. There's been some late-round guys that have actually gotten into games and then opened up a ton of eyes to like, oh, this guy could be our future. And so I think for Jaron Hall, it's going to be games. In practice, he hasn't had some great practices. Um, but, again, as a QB in this league, at this level, your head is swimming. You know, Anthony Richardson, uh, Bryce Young, those guys are getting – C.J. Stroud, they're getting the, the playbook fed to them, spoon-fed. Hey, for sure. you need to know this. Jaron Hall is being thrown to the wolves. Yeah. Get out there. Here you go. I don't have a ton of time to spend. You got to pick up what I'm telling Kirk Cousins. Uh, so it's a big difference when you're number one drafted and when you're drafted as a potential backup third quarterback. Yeah, when you're the number one, they're kind of catering the playbook to what you can do well. Oh, and yeah. a guy like him, it's, you know, get in here because we're feeding Kirk at this point, so you better get on the page of what we exactly. want. The one thing I remember watching a couple BYU games with Jaron Hall, when it would get to those situations where he'd be scrambling, he'd be looking downfield, but – you could kind of tell, like, he just prefers to tuck the rock and run. Right. So, you know, now I was really curious. Like, I've been talking for the last how many years saying, if you look at some of the guys that have been coming out with your Russell Wilsons and um, Kyler Murray and some of those guys that were more baseball-oriented mm -hmm. and they have that kind of Patrick Mahomes arm to them kind of a thing, like, all of those guys have the ability to, on the on the run, make just unorthodox throws. Yeah. And so when Jaron Hall had the baseball background, he likes to run, that kind of stuff, I'm like – How's that going to translate when he gets to the pros? Because if he's stuttering at all when he's trying to make his progressions, he's going to miss his windows to throw. But if he's somebody that can actually put it together all across the board that way and make those split decisions, and he's got the athleticism on his feet, and he's got the ability to throw the ball accurately, like that's a potential diamond in the rough that you, you took in, a, in the later chunk of the, the draft. So he's been one of my guys from the beginning when we drafted him. Like, if this guy pans out, this is a huge, huge get for this offense, especially in a position that we've been looking for, yeah. you know, future-proof guys for a very long time. That's Man, that point. would be great. Yeah. yeah. How about that's you? always the hope. I mean, that's, right. why you, that's why you draft later quarterbacks, right. just in case they're that the one guy that did. The Tom you know? Brady. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, I mean, Quasey, that's what he's known for. I mean, he's been in organizations where in San Francisco where you never draft a quarterback in the first round. You right. pretty much build a system around him and let the quarterback just be that final piece of the puzzle and just make sure he doesn't make any mistakes. So uh, we know Kirk can do a little bit more than that. That's why a lot of teams want him, and I'm glad that he's in purple. But still, uh, to have a guy in Jaron Hall and Nick Mullins behind uh, your starting quarterback in Kirk Cousins, I believe this offense will still be very, very good in 2023. Uh, well, guys, appreciate you. Um, today was a lot of fun. Uh, Vikings fans, if you want to be out here with us one of these days during training camp, go to vikings.com slash training camp and secure your ticket. Uh, for Have you figured out a DJ name yet, Eric? Oh, so. well, if, if you're ready for DJ, we got the Thursday night game or Thursday night, Thursday night practice, practice coming yeah. up. So you definitely want to get your tickets for that. They're still available. Two yep. for one busies. Yep. Ron, that was directed to you. <laughs> <laughs> If only I like Vizzy's. <laughs> Ron gets oh, to the point. Just give me straight bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're doing two for one bourbons. They should. Man, 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 talk about a sold out practice. Yeah, right. Well, appreciate you guys. This was fun. Uh, Vikings fans, if you're listening, appreciate you tuning in. Uh, my name is Gabe Henderson, and I am, and I am alongside Jay Nelson, Tatum Everett, and Ron Johnson, as well as Eric Davidson, a.k.a. DJ Eze. We'll talk to you guys next week. Mm -hmm.